0: welcome once again to cinemaholics the major motion podcast where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online and Will ashton we got to make this quick because i got i got a train to catch and uh oh can you hand me my briefcase
1: sure well for one Kanishiwa,
0: john uh i don't know why you're saying we're we're in the united states will ashton we're not going to other countries and wrecking other cultures for our own fun and entertainment what are we sony
1: well, sorry for committing to the bit.
0: I say that I too. Thought, Sony is a Japanese country yeah. uh, company,
1: <laughs> right? I okay. try to commit to the bit, make you authentic. You're, yeah. you know, you're you, you try to, me out to of bit, hand.
0: like you try to be uh, Brad Pitt.
1: Yeah, Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah. You know, you know. There's yes and in improv, John. You got to be like <laughs> yes and Kanishiwa will. You know, I never uh, you like the yes
0: and thing. It, it
1: sometimes it's okay
0: to be like no, but close. <laughs>
1: Ah, oh, man. Well, that's uh, that's why I'm not going to invite you to my improv team. That's what I'm going to say about that.
0: It's okay. I, I don't deserve to be on there, but I will I will support you all from the stands. Um, I'm from San Francisco, the Bay Area, of course. John Negroni, film editor for the Young Folks. He is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is a news and entertainment writer at Collider. He is Will Ashton.
1: Uh, once again, kanishiwa.
0: I, I feel like we, you should get your own like five minute backstory tangent. You know, it's just like we're gonna digress into this entire like oh, elaborate. You know, like how, how did it you got get to this point,
1: how it got on the train. You're saying in this bit <laughs> and all that. How did
0: you get that wine on your shirt? Well,
1: oh yeah, I got you. No, I wish I could. Um, yeah,
0: <laughs> we're talking about bullet train on this episode of the show. So we should mention too because we are gonna play the Rotten Tomatoes game, but couple things first of all i'm gonna be gone for like three weeks basically yeah so Uh, i'm gonna be on my honeymoon
1: yeah i was gonna say when you when this comes out Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. the day this is released you will not Mm -hmm. be in the united states of america i
0: won't i won't be in uh this hemisphere i'll be over in uh i'll be on my european honeymoon yeah it's gonna be i've never been to europe i'm very excited now this means that we're recording this early so we're recording this on august 3rd so a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about, you might be hearing it and being like, "Excuse me, uh, that's not the Rotten Tomato score." Will Ashton is far from correct, but we can, we can only do what we can, right? Uh, so this this should still be fun, though. We're talking about the movie before it comes out. Mm-hmm. There is still some like critical, you know, conversation around the film. It hasn't totally settled in yet, right? But yeah, we're 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 gonna we're gonna talk about it, huh?
1: Yeah, it's gonna be because I I mean I feel like critically this movie's been painted in a very stark way like you know the early reactions are very mm-hmm. much in one camp and there might be a little bit more of a you know colorful conversation to come later but we're in the there, very there's early only, yeah, there, yeah there's
0: only one track of the conversation it's only going in one direction is that what you're saying maybe a few stops yeah getting up a few more critics along the way
1: yeah yeah maybe maybe mm-hmm.
0: um this movie bullet train is uh, i guess the best way to figure it is it's kind of like a dark uh bloody action comedy it's based on a novel called Maria Beetle. It's a Japanese novel. Uh, just I think Maria Beetle, like trans, in English, they published it as Bullet Train. So I haven't seen um, the 1975 film Bullet Train, which is also a Japanese um, film. Uh, I think I think it's Japanese. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, but the novel is, I think, supposed to be like not that old. I think that the novel itself came out. Or at least in English, just like a year or so ago, but I have not read it. I don't know anything about it, honestly, but I know a few people who are aware of it. And I think some of the negative criticism is coming from, you know, the changes made to this, like to kind of Americanize it or to, if not Americanize it, because there are British actors and, you know, it's, it's Hollywood, it's, it's going to be mm-hmm. kind of UK, US adjacent, right? Uh, the way it's right. being westernized. Is that fair?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, that's definitely something I imagine we're going to be talking about more, but that also mm-hmm. weirdly kind of adds to the throwback feel, this whole thing. It's more star driven than IP driven. Like you said, it is based on a book, but it feels like the stars are really what like, you know, propelling this into being a summer blockbuster. It's like, yeah, I'm surprised I haven't
0: seen, and I haven't really seen anybody make the Murder on the Orient Express joke yet, uh, which yeah. I expect
1: will happen. Yeah, like, Murder because on it the is Orient kind of like Express. that movie. Directed by Guy Ritchie or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of, right? I mean, it's it's not an Agatha Christie mystery, but there is a mystery element, and there are like just recognizable faces who kind of come in and out. Although I would say, compared to that, and it's weird to compare the movies; they're so different. But I think that at least these movies, I don't know, every cameo, most of the cameos, at least get a little bit of. It's like more fun, whereas I feel like a murder in the Orient Express, like these very famous familiar people show up, they say a couple lines and you're kind of like, why are you in this? And this one, sure. I feel like that way with a couple of actors here, but most of them I'm like, all right. Yeah. You know, like, that was fun.
1: Yeah. Well, it's worth noting um, that this was like one of the first COVID productions, at least one of like the big COVID productions. Like I remember this was filmed in 2020 and it was like one of the first movies of this size and scale that got into production was being made. Um, and I think that partially leads to how many like legitimate stars are in this thing, because, you know, at this time, all these projects are falling through and, you know, all they these big name actors had time to work on a film like this. You know, I mean, not that they wouldn't have done it otherwise, but, you know, they have the availability now, like they, they would have the freedom to do something like this where they may not have had it otherwise. And if that's for the better, or for the worse, like, something we can discuss later, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's worth discussing or worth noting at least.
0: Well, the story of the film, it makes sense, right? To what you're saying, the fact that they had, you know, kind of a small like production location because most of the film, like 90% of the film takes place just on this bullet train. Um, there are like flashbacks, there are other scenes kind of crisscrossing where we go to other places, but not a lot. And yeah, to what you're saying, I think that this is definitely a movie that, uh, at least in my opinion, kind of benefits from that simplicity. This is directed by David Leish, and uh, the screenplay here, adapted from the novel, is from Zach Olkowitz, And I don't know who that is, but, uh, you know, power to that person. But, uh, yeah, David Leash, uh made made a few films that uh, people like, a few films that people don't love. I I, I certainly—we've had, we've had sure. some spats about— some of yeah. Lush's work, you know, we we, we couldn't come together on uh, Hobbs and Shaw, that's for sure.
1: Have we agreed on any of his films outside of John Wick?
0: Let's go through them, right? So he he, he is the co-director of John Wick. There uncredited. Comes, right?
1: Uncredited, yeah, director of Uncredited,
0: John but you know, come on. He co-directed with Chad Stahelski, we know it. Uh, mm-hmm. He did Atomic Blonde, which I did not like, um, Deadpool 2, which... which I did not like, and Hobbs okay. and Shaw, which I liked.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't think I was on... The Atomic Blonde conversation or the uh, Hobbs and Shaw conversation? You were
0: hiding, you know. No, um, no, with Hobbs and Shaw is because you really didn't want to talk about it. So we had on Pretty Chipper, who actually I uh, I interviewed her for the Young Folks uh, this mm. past week for her new book.
1: Oh, okay, uh, yeah, I was gonna say because Atomic Blonde, I'm actually like I didn't love it, but I was like okay, solid film, a little muddied in the the you know story of it, but I think it has solid one action. good scene. Uh, which scene is that? Uh, The scene where she's on the stairs and like she's trying to escape. Oh, yeah. The, the like fake uh, single take or whatever. One shot. Yeah, I mean, it's,
0: yeah, it's not the best single take, but I mean, I think the, what works in that scene is the stunt choreography more than anything else, but yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think the star power of that film is really kind of what propels it. And that's something I'm starting to notice with David Leitch's films is that, you know, we have, at least in my opinion, like, like you have john wick which you know i i think that movie works because of the world building because it, it really knows how to play with expectations and all that and the action particularly Garofi for screen. keanu but yeah that was like such a a major movie for keanu like the the, the keanu or whatever you want to call it the the revision of keanu as being a legitimate cool action star again not like a punchline. Yeah. and then you have uh atomic blonde which you know i think it works for me, I think, mainly because of Charlize Theron. Like, she really commits to that film. I think she is such uh, a captivating screen presence. I think her ability, you know, to just kind of sizzle on screen while also being a dramatically talented performer really makes that movie stand out and work in spite of the narrative shortcomings of it. Deadpool 2, I'm kind of mixed on. I, I, I think I'm like fine on it, but I, I think other people are more positive than me. I know you are definitely more negative than I am, but I'm. You know, I, I think it just kind of goes back to where I'm like, I recognize that Ryan Reynolds is talented, I think he's well suited for the role of Deadpool. But I think that movie just kind of gets like too up its own ass in a weird way, which is an odd uh complaint to make about a Deadpool movie. But I don't know, I feel like it kind of just gets like a little too uh big for its britches with that one. Like, I think it kind of uh, moves away from the, the charm of what was uh, appealing about that first movie. And then with Hobbs and Shaw, as you mentioned, I, I wasn't there for that conversation. I think at one point you might have said something blasphemous, like that's the best Fast and Furious movie or something oh, like yeah. that, which I think that is an absurd opinion. That is easily the worst Fast and Furious movie. I have no idea. Not even idea.
0: close. Not even I have close. no
1: idea what you see in that movie, but like I think that really showcases Leitch's shortcomings, which is that, like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's more of his co-director with John Wick as far as like establishing world and stakes. But like that movie is so airless. It, there's like no tension, no stakes. There's nothing thrilling or exciting about that movie. And it's all just like stroking The Rock's ego. It's just like, hey, could Vin Diesel do this? Yeah, well, maybe if Vin Diesel wasn't here, I could do this. And it's see, all the that difference is, is I want to see so that on petty. the
0: big screen. That's what I go to the big screen for. I don't to see I'm Dwayne getting Johnson getting so... be egotistical.
1: I'm so sick, I guess, at this point of like the Rock just kind of doing the same thing over and over and yeah, over and over again. It was
0: 2019. It was a different. I was getting time. sick
1: of it then. I was getting sick <laughs> yeah. of it before that. You
0: just got sick of it a little earlier than uh, maybe I. I don't know. I was. I, I, don't I, don't I shouldn't say that because I was sick of his shtick probably around Central Intelligence. But I don't know. I came around with the guy after. You know, I, every once in uh, a while, sometimes I'm in the mood for some some Dwayne Johnson but, good times. I don't know.
1: I mean, I'd be fine with that. But like, I like jason statham i'm not tired of his shtick yeah, i'm not tired I of vanessa kirby's
0: shtick i'm not you know idris right. elda i mean i don't know i feel like you're undercutting that one
1: a I, little bit i don't think if anything i, I think you just <laughs> oversold I, I think you need to rewatch that movie and then apologize to me at some point but uh you know i don't know whatever we can disagree on that one I, I, we disagree i guess on uh leitch's uh filmography but i i still maintain that i think he's really dependent on his star Uh, like his main star of his films. And that may or may not lead to how I feel about this new film of his, Bullet Train.
0: Well, sure. I mean, I hope Bullet Train is the one that kind of brings us together because after Nobody Came Out, which he produced, I was kind of looking at it and being like, you know what? I feel like this guy is just better as a producer because nobody had that sort of John Wick, that sort of, you know, doing that for Bob Uh, Odenkirk. And I was like, yeah, maybe he's just not the Mm -hmm. most talented director. That's fine. And
1: and again, I mean, star power with that one. Like Bob Odenkirk, unconventional action star but he has something that's very vulnerable you know like something very present with him as an actor certainly we see that in better call Saul, which i know you haven't caught up on but uh you know i mean i think that film like it's so rewarding when you see him as a, like you know kicking ass and taking names because it's like so kind of unexpected even though you, you know where it's going to go he brings something that's very you know rich and unique to that kind of property and again i think it just comes down the star power with these films
0: Leash does produce this film or co-produce it along with Antoine Fuqua, who uh, really, this is one of the brain, this is like a brainchild of a movie from Antoine Fuqua, who was really be, uh, developing it um, <clears throat> under his film uh, his uh, films banner. I think Fuqua Films, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, it, it definitely was like a movie that I think they set out to kind of make it, I heard they, they, they wanted it to be darker, you know, they wanted it to be kind of like a diehard kind of thing, have that really hard R. And they ended up kind of softening it a bit, making it a little bit more of like an action comedy, like I was saying, you know, not, not necessarily like, like it is, it takes itself seriously sometimes, but it's definitely not a movie that really takes itself seriously. The main plot of it uh, follows Brad Pitt as an assassin named Ladybug, who kind of has like a weird back and forth. Like sometimes he's really lucky, sometimes he's really unlucky and he finds himself on a bullet train in Japan. Where all of these assassins are sort of colliding over really two things the son of a, an infamous. Russian gangster, and a briefcase with a ton of money in it uh, from a recent hit job. So some of these assassins include Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry as the they're known as like the twins assassins who have just uh, brought that kid who was kidnapped onto the train. There is a mysterious uh, assassin kind of like dressed as a schoolgirl played by Joey King whose intentions are vague at the very beginning. And, uh, we have Andrew Koji, uh, who kind of comes into the movie with, uh, his own sort of personal vendettas. Uh, we have Hiroki Sonata as his father, who I was like, oh, we're getting him. And like, I was not expecting to see him in this movie at all. I think we, we saw him pretty recently in, um, Mortal Kombat was the last thing. Um, I'm not gonna give away some of the other cameos here. I mean, if you just look at the poster, there there are a few people who are like, Okay, Zazie Beats is in this, you know, hey, there's that Deadpool 2 connection. But I I do have to say, well, I, I was not expect I was expecting more Zazie Beats than we got. Um, not to give anything away, I guess, but she's kind of a blip in this movie. And then yeah. also, yeah, uh, Logan Lerman, who really, again, is kind of a blip. So sure. uh, good cast. But yeah, it does have the murder on the Orient Express uh, problem a couple times. Uh, oh, and uh, real quick before you go, the, uh, Benito Ocasio uh, plays like a Mexican assassin in this. And uh, we we got to talk about that.
1: Yeah, is that bad, Bunny?
0: Um <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, so, yes, uh, Bad Bunny, a Puerto Rican uh, rapper who is just I, I don't know how to I don't know how to describe him, you know, to, to like people who you know may have heard of him, but they're kind of like, well, what do Puerto Ricans think of Bad Bunny? <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to get into it, actually. Uh, I'm going to say, you know what? Unironically, I'm uh, I'm on Bad Bunny's side when it comes okay. to getting some Hollywood roles. Let's do it.
1: Sure, I, I I wasn't expecting such a detailed response to just asking if that was. Uh, <laughs> there's you know. some
0: there's some drama there. There's a YouTube film essay in there somewhere.
1: I mean, I will say he's a pretty striking film presence. I think this is, if not his first film, like one of his first major film roles, and it's mostly definitely one of the first free, major, yeah. Which I think was smart. I mean, I that's mean, the thing. His yeah.
0: his presence kind of rules it. Um, yeah, he won. He, he was WWE, uh, last year, right? He had a guest appearance, so he has uh, a lot of like. Sure. you know visibility you know compared to i should say too he, i think he played in oakland recently and like him him coming to oakland uh to out here was just like huge event huge event um he has a, he was in um was it was it was a fast and furious movie wasn't it that he was uh in the I, last film role
1: this is really the first time i've recognized or known him i feel like i kind of caused you to like open a book of some sort that i, know, I didn't sorry, know i was asking sorry. you to open but you, um, you
0: entered you entered the latino you know entertainment complex <laughs> yeah
1: it seems like that yeah i mean i don't know i mean just okay. based on his work in this film you, you know he has a striking film presence like i said it's mostly dialogue. he's gonna free, be in a so.
0: spider-man movie
1: right i was gonna say you know he got i think he got cast in one of their spin-off movies right like, yeah yeah uh,
0: he's uh he's gonna be El muerto
1: yeah uh, same with uh Aaron Taro, eh, 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 Aaron Taylor Johnson.
0: Aaron Taylor <laughs> uh, Johnson. Yeah, he's uh he's craven, Austin's isn't he?
1: Movie. I think yeah, and that, I think that's filming right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it seems like Sony is definitely uh at least happy with the stars in this movie. I mean, at the very least. I mean sure. I don't know how they feel about the film itself, but uh, well, we don't know how
0: know. Bullet Train is gonna do at the box office, right? And what this is gonna sort of do for the actors in this movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Not that Brad I mean, Pitt needs anything. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that, like, Brad Pitt, I mean, I feel like this doesn't really get discussed a lot of late, but, like, he isn't really much of a, like, actor as much these days. Like, he still acts. Like, I'm not saying he's, like, a bad actor that he he's, like, retiring or anything, though he's flirted with it a few times. But outside of, like, supporting roles uh, and, like, stuff chillin'. like the Lost, uh, the Lost City and stuff earlier this year, he, yeah. he really doesn't do that many starring roles. Like, there was, like, Ad Astra... There was is that War the last Machine. one? That's the
0: last, I'm trying to think of something after Ad Astra. And,
1: yeah, I mean, well, was there was Ad Astra ago. and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I I mean, if that's we're a on lead, the if that's supporting, yeah. you know, it's kind of debatable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, that was like big. This is like his first major project. Like he literally as an actor. won the
0: best supporting actor for right. Once Upon a
1: Time in Hollywood. No, so that so. was kind of contentious. I remember people were saying, is he really I a guess. lead? Is he supporting? Whatever. Um, but yeah, if you don't count. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think he's only done, like, three starring roles since, like, 2016. It's, like, uh, you know, it's, like, Allied, War Machine, and Ad Astra. And then now this. Hmm. If you don't... Yeah, so, I mean...
0: I'm trying to think, though, because... He's mostly
1: producing It's
0: going to be in uh, Babylon, though.
1: Well, yeah, it's coming up. I mean, but, like... Right. but I mean, that's that's coming up. I mean, but well, yeah, I guess uh, that's the only
0: the only 2022 thing I can think of. And you already mentioned Lost City, huh? Um, right. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right, huh?
1: Which is why I think this is interesting. Like, it's, you know, I mean, not only you is had it. A cameo-
0: oh, you had a cameo in Deadpool, too. But I guess that speaks again, more to your point. <laughs> starring roles. <laughs> uh, I actually I didn't watch War Machine. Where um, did
1: I? Yeah, that was like one of those movies that like Netflix when they were like coming out and being like guns blazing we're a blockbuster mm-hmm. studio now i was like oh okay never got yeah. around to watching it but i was like oh okay seems cool i guess i might get around to that never but he did.
0: he executive produces a lot of things you know well, yes. uh, I, yeah. he executive produced like two a24 films in 2020 right. um minari he's of doing, course and kajillionaire
1: right and he's doing blonde later this year uh reuniting with the andrew dominique who he produced and, oh he's uh, a producer on that Yeah, because he, you know, because he didn't kill them softly and stuff. Yeah, he, plan B is is really his like pet project right now. Like acting is kind of like something he just does here and there.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, And I think, I think you even mentioned with women talking, I don't think you mentioned Brad Pitt, but the the Sarah Pauly thing. Didn't you talk about her recently on the show about the whole like, yeah, uh, well, I talked about her
1: uh, with her experience working with Terry Gilliam.
0: Right. uh, right.
1: She wrote about that in her book, which became an op ed in uh, The Guardian. But that was for our nope discussion.
0: Well, yeah, twenty twenty two to what you're saying, yeah, big year for Brad Pitt as an actor and as a producer. Lots of stuff in the works. So sure, you know, but I he's mean, busy during the pandemic. Uh,
1: yeah, but I mean, uh, I just will. Uh, all of that was to say that he's very, uh, he's very infrequent as far as like what starring roles he picks. Like it, it feels like he has to be sort of interested in something at this point to want to star. in. so that's kind of tickle. That's the fancy. only reason he
0: played Doctor Fauci
1: uh oh with um with snl you mean <laughs> yeah uh, sorry once you said that
0: i was just like i had to make the fauci joke i, I, I
1: honestly forgot that was a thing he did uh, yeah, i don't know if i watched that skit to be honest i remember the headlines yeah
0: 2020 was a fever dream what are you gonna do i remember i remember miley cyrus was the uh the host
1: <laughs> okay Oh man we're really anyway. uh we're really kind of getting off of, uh off on a tangent here but um yeah i just all of that to say I feel like we rarely it's becoming more of a rarity to get Brad Pitt, the star and something. So that was I think the big thing for me that intrigued me about this film. Sure. Uh, it might actually lead into my thoughts later, but just something I felt was really worth discussing right now.
0: I thought, you know, because I, I, this is one of the few trailers I have seen this year, like before seeing the movie, because when I went to see Unbearable Way to Massive Talent, it was one of those rare times where the screening had like trailers before it. And I didn't pay attention to the trailers because, like, I, I just like to not watch them, whatever. But uh, this one, I kind of just, like, caught, like, you know, it, it just took me by hold or whatever. I think it's because I went to the bathroom and I came back. And so oh, okay. I was like, All right, very, well, I'm watching this thing.
1: It's a very flashy trailer.
0: The first one's very pretty flashy, good. very eye catching, yeah. and I I was thinking I was like, oh, a PG thirteen kind of original. I thought it was PG thirteen because of that sort of light hearted action, uh, you know, kind of deal. But then it wasn't until later that I found out or figured out that I was like, oh, this is R, like this is like legit gonna be like pretty right. gruesome. Um, and I I was like kind of hearing from people who were watching it this past week, like, no, nah, no, nah, like this is gonna be pretty uh, pretty right. actiony uh, in a very violent way. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, uh, that sort of ruins my thoughts on like how much money I think it's actually going to make. I think I I had it as like number eight in the top 10. I'm kind of wondering if it's actually going to do that because I think the movie's only projected to make around 30 million at the high end this weekend. They pushed it because it was originally going to come out end of July. I think that was a huge mistake on their end because like, I think that they were expecting Nope to be a much bigger hit. They were expecting DC league of super pets to be a much bigger hit. And like, Nope is making money, sure. But, like, if they had released this, like, right after Nope, I think this movie would probably be doing, like, have a better trajectory right now. But as it stands, I think it's just going to kind of crawl to its budget of $90 million. The thing that is kind of on the bubble is what our audience is going to think of this. Because I already know critics are kind of, like, really split. There's some really negative reactions, some mixed reactions. I'll say I'm pretty positive on this movie. I really enjoyed it. So I, I kind of walked out and, be I, you know, maybe my expectations have been painted, but I definitely wasn't coming out of this movie being like, oh, my gosh, what a disaster. You know, the headline, you know, train wreck oh, off the rails. Like, what do you all kinds of stuff like that? I was like, no, the, the, people will probably like this, you know, I, but I think a lot of people won't watch it because they'll hear that it sucks. Um, but I don't know. Will, what do, what do you think? I don't know your thoughts on this one.
1: Well, I mean, to go back to what you were saying there before, this is technically like the Guardians of the Galaxy weekend which you know, I mean it's kind of Once upon a time in Hollywood, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean well, I think that was actually July, but it was it was like
0: yeah, but I mean close. It was kind of like a movie meant to own August.
1: Right. But that's a big thing is what I was trying to say is that like there's really not that much outside of this coming out in theaters in August. Like there's a couple smaller releases, but this is like the last big blockbuster of the summer.
0: Yeah. It's going there's to be Easter so Sunday is like the mm-hmm. next thing. And that's not a blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. That's a smaller film. Um, you know, like a mid budget comedy. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is like, I mean, there would be, if they had put prey in theaters and yeah, that would certainly be some competition, right. but you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to answer your initial question, um, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of people trying to compare this to like Tarantino because like the you know non-linear story. I, I mentioned already some people are kind of trying to compare this to um, Guy Ritchie, you know, kind of doing like the Lock Stock thing again to like a bigger budget extent. Uh, you know, like the quippy British characters, all that stuff. But it felt more in line with like Joe Carahan. Like I, I think the movie that's probably going to be most compared to this one will be Smoking Aces. Because it's, you know, all these, like, crude assassin characters confined to one location and basically trying to take each other out spy versus spy style, uh, you know, in order to, uh, you know, get to their own individual targets. Uh, and then you have Brad Pitt in the middle of all this, uh, in which is something I didn't really realize going into the film is that when you see the trailers and all this stuff, you kind of expect him to be the central protagonist, which he kind of is. Like, he, he, you know, he's, like, central to the plot. But he's really just sort of a hapless character in all this. Like, he's kind of just getting thrown into this thing where he has to, to retrieve this briefcase, get in get out. But there's all these opposing forces around him that's preventing him from doing this job. But he's been kind of blessed and cursed with this ladybug name that seems to, like, indirectly help him in his own uh, mission, such as it is in this whole fraught train ride that he's on. And I, yeah, I mean, I will say that I think maybe because my expectations were painted, as you mentioned, by all the negative reviews for the film, that I was expecting to be a lot more critical of the film and a lot more willing to, like, kind of uh, be spiteful about, like, how, you know, annoying it is or how, you know, uh, quip-friendly it is without, you know, undermining the stakes, but... To my surprise, I'm kind of similar to you. Like, I don't know if I'm like outright positive on the film, but I think I certainly had more fun than the initial reviews expected me to think. Like, I, I actually found myself like, Pretty engaged with it throughout. Like I never like checked my phone or anything for the time. I was like pretty with it. I was pleasantly surprised when like all the cameos were coming in. I, I liked the different character dynamics. I was not in love with all the characters, but I, I felt like it was moving a good clip. It ne- it kept me engaged enough to where like I wasn't feeling like I was wasting my time or I felt like too annoyed with what was happening. And I don't know if that necessarily marks a good film, but as far as summer blockbusters are concerned, I've certainly seen much much worse. Certainly from David Leitch himself.
0: Sure, sure. I'm curious which characters you you didn't like versus like. I mean, for me, I think what saves this movie, like what makes it work, it, it, I don't think it's Brad Pitt. I think he's fun. Like, I think he's kind of doing his Once Upon a Time a Hollywood thing. I think that's why a lot of people are making the Tarantino comparison because of uh, the way that Brad Pitt is kind of, framed in the movie the way that they they, they'll just sort of do a huge tangent to show a character's backstory like the non-linear stuff like you said um you you don't think he's kind of like cliff booth a little bit like in terms of Mm. like not having a ton of agency he's just kind of like wandering around the movie
1: I mean, I get that comparison. I think it's more like Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry are kind of like filling in for John Travolta. Well, that's what I was going to say next. L. Jackson and like Pulp Fiction mode, like dumber that's versions way, of those characters. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. I think that it's it's directly doing that, and that's my whole thing. Is I think that's what saves the movie is those two guys. I think the fact that they are a much bigger. Sort of like they're more important to the story than I expected, like when the movie began. Right. They get introduced early on, but they kind of come off as a little bit like, OK, so these are a couple of our, you know, primary, secondary characters, I guess. Like they're not side characters, but they're going to be kind of, you know, you know, they're big names. So they're going to be driving part of the movie. But this is Brad Pitt. Right. You know, we have you know, this. This is going to be like the big uh, revenge story about like a, an assassin whose child was pushed and he needs to get his revenge. A lot of that stuff gets pushed to the side, though. For this sort of like for these twins, you know, who have a surprisingly well-drawn sort of like dynamic and the the way that they kind of like are kind of the linchpins of the story and the way that they're kind of like really directing a lot of the action and the set pieces. And I was happy about that because they were probably my favorite character. They weren't prop. they were my favorites. I loved them. I loved watching uh, them. They were fun.
1: See, that's where I kind of find myself conflicted with the film is that like I had fairly mixed feelings about them as characters
0: really like the was great Aaron uh, Taylor Johnson walking down the hallway with his mustache Brian Tyree Henry with his Thomas t- Tank Engine stickers I mean well that's cinema
1: I mean you're you, you jumped ahead of me because I had uh, a thing to say about this but I will say I mean well for one I mean magnificent mustache I mean you're not going to get a complaint from me as far as uh, the looks of the characters are concerned you
0: should have high-fived Henry Cavill and, you know during the credits
1: Anyway, uh, but I would say uh, at the beginning of the film, I was not about them at all. I found them very glib. I I thought like it was trying way too hard to be cutesy. It felt very reminiscent of like we said. The reason I think the Tarantino comparisons are coming in is because their characters feel very much like that. There was that trend in the 90s after Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Where, like, all these Tarantino copycats were coming out, and some did it better than others. Certainly, like I said, like Guy Ritchie kind of found his own groove, like, coming off of that success, certainly. And then, you know, like, to a lesser extent, you can maybe say someone like Paul Thomas Anderson kind of had some of that with, like, I don't know. I mean, I've heard that compared. Now that I think about it and say it loud, I guess maybe not so much him, but there, there are certainly, I guess, maybe some other examples that I'm not thinking of right now where they've they, they found a boost because of Tarantino's success. But then you have other movies like, boondock saints which you know has a fan base i guess but you know that's a movie where it's just like you know takes all the wrong lessons from the tarantino film success and i was kind of feeling that way about their characters going into it just kind of felt like they were defined by their quirks and not really defined by who they were as you know this sort of brotherly oddball brother dynamic at first they, they seemed to be more defined by their quirks than who they were As characters, like how their brotherly oddball brother dynamic is working out. But to your credit, like where I I start to agree with you is that the movie kind of commits the bit with them in a way that wasn't really expecting. Like it it really hones in on them being not maybe the heart of the film, but like something adjacent to it. And I think I kind of let my guard down a little bit with them. I think it was more than anything Brian Tyree Henry's performance. Yeah. I think uh, he is the heart
0: of the film. I don't, I don't think there's much of an argument there for me. Who else I mean, would it such, be?
1: <laughs> such, I mean, I was going to say if the film really has a heart, which I don't know. I mean, I think it does. you know, I, I think it's, you know, so devoted to the that I'm not quite sure if it's really, uh, defined by its own self, but I, I will say that, like, I think they uh, the characters themselves, the fact they were kind of slyly able to win me over as it went along. Um, you know, I, I I think that's kind of where I'm standing with the film is that like when it started, I was kind of you know maybe not like over it, but I was kind of like you know I, I I was starting to see why people were really complaining about the film, really not getting with it. I and as the movie went along, and I got got more on their side and kind of recognized that like the movie had more of its sleeve than just defining their kind of eccentricities. I was like, you know, I mean, I don't think they're like the best characters in the world, but you know, I I, I certainly like and find myself more endeared by them as the movie goes along than I would have expected during the film's first, like, 15 minutes.
0: I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you just said, like, the same thing, like, I think 10 times in a row. (laughs) I think it's true. Uh, But I think that's, look, that's, that's this movie. I think that's what makes it work, is that it's just not trying to be deep and meaningful. It's just trying to be a spectacle. It's not going to sort of, you know, stick out, In terms of, like, it's not going to resonate with people. It's not going to stick around. People people are going to dissect this movie and be like, why do some people like this? And they're going to find all the flaws, of which there are plenty. But it's just one of those movies that, like, the flaws are really so inorganic to the experience of enjoying this. Because for every, like, dumb thing that happens or for every, like, character who doesn't make sense or gets short shrift, you get, like, Bad Bunny, you know, on this, like, five-minute ridiculous but weirdly hilarious and just kind of spectacularly soundtracked sequence of like his rise and fall. And like, I think that's where this movie wins me is the style of it. It's like one of the things that I wanted more from atomic blonde, like the best, some of the best parts of that movie were when it just let the style take over. When Charlize Theron and Sophia Boutella just kind of took a break from how, from the really lame, whatever plot, just to like have an, you know, a, a, Kind of like you were saying, like a a pache sort of stylistic aside, you know, it was stuff like that that I really wanted more from that movie. It's stuff like that. I I didn't feel like we got in Deadpool. It is something I think we got a little bit from Hobbs and Shaw. In this movie, I just think that it's it's willing to just be ridiculous and silly, but also contrast that with being violent and unpredictable. So that's what kept me with it. Why I wasn't checking my phone was because I was genuinely wondering what's going to happen next. Now there are some things in this movie that are extremely easy to predict. I mean, if you you do not have to be paying close attention to call any of the plot twists, but it's almost like the movie doesn't care if you call the plot twist. It's almost like the movie sort of like yeah yeah you're you're going to see this coming you know a mile away from, you know, the bullet train mile, but that's fine because we're going to surprise you with cameos. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to subvert things in other ways and just let the plot be simple and paper thin. It doesn't matter really. Uh, I think the one thing that leaves a bad taste in my mouth with this movie and what really holds it back. From me fully you know really, really loving it or liking it even is it is kind of weird to just like watch this movie where a bunch of people you know go to Japan and just like wreck you know everything you know it it is kind right. of like it's one of those things like if you notice it, you notice it, if you don't, maybe you will someday i don't know some people just don't get I mean, offended by that sort of thing, but like <laughs> I don't know it 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 was kind of weird i I did appreciate it give a little bit of credit they don't have a ton of people just like killing you know Asians like the entire time that was something that really worried me about this movie i was like do i i don't want to sit here you know watching this movie where that's just gonna be it's just gonna be nothing but like you know westerners killing asian people what they do to get around that is like it's a russian gangster most of the people most of the assassins people killing each other are not they're just western westerners on westerners i guess but it still is yeah a little yikesy uh
1: yeah i mean i think i mean i haven't read the book that we mentioned before that this is based on but from what I can tell, like, this is a pretty whitewashed depiction of it. Like you said, a very westernized take on the thing. I mean, I'm not quite sure if Brad Pitt's character is supposed to be Japanese and some of the other characters were also supposed to be Japanese. But, yeah, I mean, it did kind of feel a little icky to me that, you know, I mean, there is, you know, we certainly, as we mentioned, there are uh, actors of color in the film uh, in certain key roles. But... It is primarily from, you know, the Western perspective and it is when it does focus on most of the Japanese characters. It does kind of feel like, you know, like they're, they're kind of side characters. They don't really have much agency, you know, like the other passengers. And it's kind of feel like video game characters where they're just like indirectly involved. Yeah. And even sort of like dumbly, like not noticing what's going on around them. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, that stuff kind of, you know, it, it does feel a little icky to me and I, I can certainly understand the complaints there. I think I was able to overlook a lot of that, maybe more than I should. But it it, it was something that really bugged me while I was watching the film, for sure.
0: Yeah, especially when you like reflect on the movie, too, because in the moment, you're not really like looking for that sort of thing. It just kind of sticks out and then you just keep it moves so quickly. Right. But then when you reflect back on the movie, it can be a little bit easy to be like, yeah, it it is weird. You know, the the whole setup for this thing. And yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't think we can (laughs) (laughs) avoid that.
1: But I will say, I mean, I did appreciate that. I don't know if this is the case for you, but it did kind of have like a Magna feel to it. Or uh, am I saying that word right? Manga feel Magna? to it. Sorry, Manga. Manga? Ma- manga feel to it. Uh, you know, it kind of feels like, you know, you mean it's so more like quick. like anime? Yeah, you know, it kind of felt like it was so quick. It's so colorful. It moves a good clip. Like you said, they have like these kind of like divergent side plots that they kind of focus on to a large extent. I- I'm certainly no expert. I'm going to on- push
0: back. I don't okay. I don't think. If if there's like an aesthetic to this, I think like superficially anime, there are like a couple of scenes that like maybe, but they come off, they don't come off as like anime to me. They come off as like white people's impression of anime and not even like weebs, like, you know, white people who really know their anime. I think more like... I think it's more of like a Xerox of a Xerox situation. Sure. It's true. It's kind of like Kill Bill a little bit. It's a little bit more of like uh, inspired by the aesthetic hmm. that we've seen it done through other things. Sure. Not a direct, you know.
1: I would say lesser than Kill Bill, but probably better than something like Ghost in the Shell from a few years ago.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Way, 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 way better. So, so yeah. Because that one's like literally like doing the anime. Like a good example, I think, of like bringing the anime stuff in a little bit in a subtle way and you're gonna think i'm talking about one thing when i'm not i guess but in nope and people will say like oh yeah because there are there, there are references to anime just you know kind of jokes about it right, right. The Akira thing and you know, mm-hmm. um the shirt but Even there are things are. that happen no the way the story in nope is told is also inspired by anime and i think it's kind of getting to what you talked you just said about like not the tangents, but the sort of like the willingness to go to different parts of the story, like that is a little bit more like anime and manga. So I guess guess like this nope would be a better version of how that's told. This one, I think is more superficial.
1: Oh, I mean, definitely superficial. I want to make that clear. But and by, you know, by all means, you're way more of an anime expert than I'll probably ever be. But um, yeah, Yeah, it's something that crossed my mind. But yeah, I mean, I would say certainly Superficially, it, You know, it's in the way that I feel like a lot of these comparisons kind of feel a bit superficial to me already. But, you know, it's worth mentioning, I think.
0: That's the thing is, like, there's never a moment where a character or a plot set piece is trying to be more than it is. Because when you really look at it, I mean... It, What do we know about Brad Pitt? Basically nothing. We know that he's just like a hapless assassin and he kind of does despicable things in this movie and the movie just waves it away. Like there were things like that where I was just like, okay, I guess I just have to accept that like he can just be this very thin uh, half-baked character who, you know, motivations between him and other characters, like characters who should hate him and like have no reason to not just kill him on the spot we'll just suddenly be okay with it it's stuff like that where i'm just like this is like cartoonish but like not a good cartoon i guess but i guess it just it, again it moves so quickly that you just you can kind of just get over it pretty fast
1: yeah i mean i will say i kind of agree and disagree with that i mean i i certainly found that like when the movie ended on a note where it's like oh he finally found what he was looking for emotionally i was like was was that key to his character? I didn't get that at all. Like, I didn't think that exactly. was Exactly. Like,
0: <laughs> That's what I'm saying.
1: I, right. No, I got... I, I agree with you there. Where I disagree is that I guess I find myself more charmed by the fact that, like, Brad Pitt is... His arc in the film sort of parallels him as a star at this point in the way that, like, he sort of, like... He he can't help but be the star of the film in a way. Like, <laughs> a lot of people, like, say... I like guess oh, so. I don't know. You know, like a lot of people say like, oh, Brad Pitt's like a character actor in a movie star's body, which is, I think, an overused term. But I think the heart of what they're trying to say there is that like he's almost sort of resentful of how much he is a movie star. Like we were saying before, he feels like he's more comfortable being a producer or doing these kind of wacky supporting roles as opposed he's to being like He's kept up in years, lead. too.
0: You're, st- right. you're really starting to see it, right? Like, Yeah, but this one, definitely. I film, don't know. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, um, the, the wrinkles he, are there, and like he—he he obviously like he looks fantastic. I mean, sure.
1: I mean, and, I it, and I he's doing I the action good.
0: pretty well, right? Yeah, but it's just sort of like he doesn't have that same sort of like perpetually like late thirties, early forties, sort of right. like rugged. You know, that's not really his vibe anymore. His vibe is like kind of what you're saying is like elder statesman, you know, of the movie, but like I not mean, written that way.
1: Yeah, but I guess what. I don't know, I guess we'll disagree there, because it's like... There's literally a character named The Elder. <laughs> right. Um, but, like, with the... Uh, I did get. I thought when I was watching the movie, it did cross my mind where it's like, this feels like a role that was written for someone like 20 or 30 years younger. Exactly.
0: That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like the look doesn't match, yeah.
1: But I, I guess where I disagree is that, like, when the movie kind of gets to its third act, they play with that without giving too much away. It kind of knowledge in a meta sure, way sure. that, like... Oh yeah, like no, we we wanted this other person in this film. We just kind of got Brad Pitt because you know this other person couldn't do it, (laughs) which is like a funny. People
0: are complaining about that, but I kind of thought it. I thought it was funny. I think people just kind of.
1: I thought that cameo was grating, but I think the idea behind the cameo is pretty funny. I want to talk
0: about that cameo, so let's let's wrap it up so we can um, do the Rotten Tomatoes game, and then
1: all right, yeah, because I can kind of finish up my thoughts with that spoiler
0: talk.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I I was just gonna say, I can finish My thoughts in spoilers.
0: OK, cool. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. We're going to talk about the cameos and all that good stuff. Um, I think Breast Hacks is like we both kind of like weirdly don't hate this movie and kind of had fun with it. I'm right. bold enough to say that I liked it. I think you're still kind of working through it.
1: I mean, <laughs> I don't know. it's kind of one of those things where it's just like I won't defend it. Like I'm not going to fight for its honor. But if someone's write? just like, man, what a piece of shit that was I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. It Yeah, wasn't yeah. Like,
0: I, I would and I know plenty of people that I would just be like, you know what, you may want to go check this out. You might like it. Like, I know people who would probably have fun, you know, watching this, uh, you know. I don't I know mean, if I would push them into the theater for it, but.
1: If Smoking Aces is, is like, one of your top ten favorite movies ever, this is going to be the film of the year for you. <laughs> sure, uh, I mean, Smoking
0: yeah. Plenty, plenty of the, that. that's like a whole vibe, and I think a lot of people vibe with it. So, um, okay, Rotten Tomatoes game, and then we should also say this is over two hours. Uh, it's at one hundred twenty six minutes, a little bit long, but uh, you know, I was okay with it. I was, I was kind of like, you know, they they changed enough throughout the movie where I felt like it was moving. Sure, um, I, yeah,
1: you know. I think they could have cut ten, but I, it didn't bug me either. At the end of the yeah,
0: day, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, sure, sure. Um, But okay, so let's uh, let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. Well, Ashton, we have 78 reviews counted. It's pretty early. Uh, And this is going to be totally different by the time, you know, the uh, the weekend happens and way more people see it. I'm going to be filing my review pretty soon. But uh, what's your guess as of now?
1: Uh, Is it 42 percent?
0: It's 58 percent. Oh, good. and it's a little bit more mixed, like to positive than I thought it would be. I thought it would be like what you're saying, probably like maybe mid 40s. But I have a feeling and I could be totally wrong. I have a feeling this will maybe perk up a little bit. I see this being like a 60, you know, like I th- I think it's going to keep getting negative reviews at a steady clip. But I think some people are going to come to bat for it because they're going to watch it and be like, this isn't that bad. And they're that's going to tip them over to like a six out of 10 and seven, five out of 10. That's my prediction. And we don't have I an mean- audience score yet, obviously.
1: I mean, that's what happened with us, basically. So, you know, if we are representative of any critic association, I guess that's true.
0: (laughs) There you go. There you go. Uh, We also don't have a cinema score yet, obviously. So we'll just go right to Letterboxd. Uh, That's even harder to square right now since it really is early. I mean, like, there's only 4.3 thousand watches. (laughs) So this is kind of a crapshoot, I guess. But uh, we'll go ahead. What do you think? Are there?
1: Okay, so there is an audience score already?
0: Um, On Uh, Letterboxd, there is an average rating. Um, okay, okay. but it's only 4.3 thousand so yeah it's uh, okay it's gonna change <laughs>
1: um i'm gonna say 2.8 3.6 oh okay so it's pretty high right now
0: i probably would have guessed in between i would have guessed like three point one, three point zero, three point one. 3.0 3.1 so yeah that's kind of surprising because i'm looking at my letterbox right now people who saw it and there's only there are only two positive reviews Um, not counting mine. And I, and I, I didn't even do a star rating or anything. Um, and I'm not seeing like, there are people who didn't put any review at all. So I don't know if they're positive and they just didn't indicate, but I'm seeing two and a half, two and a half, two and a half, two, one and a half. Like, it's just, you know, straight that friends of the show, especially, but I'm seeing Danielle Saltzman gave it four stars. She tends to be more positive than most people though. And I'm seeing, uh, Matt Donato give it three and a half stars. And I'm not surprised by that. I feel like this is a very Matt Donato kind of movie. So there you go. Uh Clint Worthington, also friend of the show, two and a half stars from him.
1: Yeah. I saw and, that one. I saw Matt's as yeah. well.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I guess we will, Yeah, you know, we're, we're the only ones on the train, aren't we? The hype train, huh?
1: Yeah. I feel like I'm like one foot on one foot off the train. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, about That's to fair. be violently decapitated or something, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm halfway where you are, I guess, maybe more so than I care to admit right now.
0: All right. Well, that is bullet train. We're going to open it up quickly to talk about the cameos, which is obviously spoilery. So if you don't want to know the cameos, you haven't seen the movie and all that good stuff. Uh, you may want to click away at this point, but yeah, let's talk about the cameos real quick before we say goodbye. Um, my favorite cameo easily, like not even close was Channing Tatum. Um, uh, Wasn't expecting him to show up in this, and I thought he was. I thought he was hilarious. Come on,
1: Uh, I thought both the cam I thought him and Ryan Reynolds were both kind of like ugh worthy. Why we? I like Ryan Reynolds. Literally
0: says nothing, and people are just like that cameo. It's like give me a break. It's just one freaking not even a scene. It was just a shot of him. I thought it was funny because it's Um, like what's the problem here?
1: Well, I mean, again, like I, I like the idea with the Ryan Reynolds thing, where it's just like Brad Pitt is literally kind of filling in
0: exactly that's a why it's funny
1: star at this i i, I like that and he, idea. And I, he
0: even like they even poke fun at ryan reynolds himself he's like that guy sucks and, and people are just like that cameo ugh. and i'm like what don't you like about that cameo it literally affirms your opinion of right. ryan reynolds
1: but it's also kind of like you're supposed to be like excited to see ryan reynolds like if, i don't it,
0: no i just think it's a joke Come on again,
1: but just like if if Ryan Reynolds wasn't so overexposed, like I feel like if it was literally like any other A list star right now, like pick another person that's an A. Like if they had changed it out for Channing Tatum, I think that would have been funnier for me as opposed to like having you know Channing Tatum do his shtick, which felt kind of retrograde to me. Like his whole like, was it? I don't know. Like it, it, I couldn't quite tell. If it was he was, was uh, like, he was horny s- on Maine. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> tell though if like the joke was kind of supposed to be that he was gay. Like it, it yeah. felt a little weird to me. Like it just felt like I don't like not like homophobic but it just felt like No,
0: I don't I think don't know, it was like, supposed to be homophobic at all. I think it was just supposed to be kind of playing on, you know, he's thirsty for Aaron Taylor Johnson. I guess, um, yeah. Maybe maybe there's something I missed in that. I didn't I didn't think that was supposed to be know. like a ugh, like I don't think that was supposed to be no homo.
1: Right. Uh, it just felt a little no homo-y to me. In a way that felt like uh what is this like twenty ten? Like I don't know. I thought
0: it was just like is this sex stuff? And then like if it had gone from like, Oh, I'm not into that, it would instead it was more of just like, That sounds good to me. Like, I don't know, that that's a guess, little yeah, I,
1: I think that was what the intent of it was. I think Maybe it's more it was the, execution. the execution. Yeah, oh, I think it was more the execution. Okay,
0: yeah. Sad here it didn't work for you as much.
1: Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, I really I mean, for me, Zazie Beats was a cameo because I'd forgotten or didn't know that she was going to be in this. She's
0: on the poster, though.
1: OK, I didn't know that. So and uh, it's so obvious,
0: th- like I, I mentioned how predictable it is. It's so obvious that like Joey King's character is like the kid. I thought it, it would at least sure. be a little bit more subversive but, where like the other guy wasn't the son. Yeah. And then maybe uh, it would be a little bit smarter. But no,
1: I, I mean, I will say I, uh, Michael Shannon, though, uh, if he counts as a cameo in this. Or he counts. Yeah, sport, yeah. I definitely enjoyed that like I mean him coming up in the film was definitely one I really enjoyed and also the idea that like you know he's kind of like embodying this whole like the thing that I, I can't tell if the movies criticizing or leaning into that like he's like this guy who's like trying to like adopt Western culture but like obviously he's like a white Russian Eastern, guy you mean yeah yeah sorry Uh yeah. Yeah, the Western guy. Uh, yeah, Eastern. Whatever. Um, yeah, he's trying to adopt Japanese culture, but like clearly he's, he's like not you know Japanese. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a little bit more clever. Like you know, you, it, it's something that I don't you,
0: know. you mean like appropriate. I don't know. What yeah, you mean by adopt. Is, I yeah. guess adopt works too. But yeah. Appropriate. The, the is, reason. The reason I brought up that twist was because I was also going to say the Zazie Beats thing was also just like, of course, she's in that costume. Of course, she's the one, who, the Hornet or whatever, killing people like, I don't know. It was stuff like that that I thought was really obvious. And I was like, why are they waiting so long to reveal it? And why are they waiting so long to let Zazie Beats be in this movie? She gets one scene. And I, don't, I thought that was annoying.
1: Again, I guess I just didn't know she was in the movie. So, I mean, I, I figured there would be some cameo with the the mascot but I didn't know it was going to be her cuz I didn't know she was going to be in the film.
0: <laughs> I knew she was so, in the film because of the poster. So I was kind of okay. like, well, when is she going to show up? Sure. And so she has to be in the costume and if it's Deadly right. Beats, then she has to be an assassin. The right. thing that I did like and cuz I and this might not work for some people, but the whole like idea of like getting all the assassins on the train to kill each other and Michael Shannon's like beef with all of them. I thought that was like it wasn't clever, but it was sort of like I liked how like it took the piss out of the whole thing a bit. Sure. I really like the whole idea where he's literally just like finding, re- he just wants to kill people. And like, they even say that in the beginning of the movie is just like, he's just looking for a reason. And so like to concoct this scheme is just so convoluted and ridiculous, but it matches, I think the sadistic villain that I thought was like kind of, I thought that was an interesting sort of like, you know what? Of course this movie makes no sense. Like mm-hmm. it's being concocted by somebody who just is like, the Most villainy villain, and right. there was something about that that worked for me,
1: yeah. And then you got, like I said, Brad Pitt in the middle of all this, and like I said, yeah. like, I think that kind of mirrors the meta aspect of the film, whether this is intentional or not. Just the idea that, like, you know, he's like an over the hill star, like someone who's not really an action star to begin with, outside of like you know, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, and maybe a couple other films, but like, he's just kind of just like, hey, like, I don't like, I have no real like connection anything that's going on here like i didn't right, produce right. this like i'm just kind of just <laughs> along for the ride and I, I will give him credit like i guess he did most if not all of his own stunts in the film which you know is pretty impressive too um Good fight scenes. yeah um yeah so yeah I, I just i mean i guess for me like it's a really tough balance to kind of pull off the, like, protagonist who doesn't want to be in the film kind of thing. I think it's something that Ryan Reynolds, as he gets more roles, is not able to really pull off because he's, like, too, like, self-aware about it. And to a point like the point where it's just, like...
0: the bodyguard, wife kind of thing? Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, that type of thing where it's, like, I th- I th- he's too self-aware. Like, he's too aware of the camera to, like, make that work. I think Brad Pitt, though, just because he's innately charismatic movie star type that's like almost resistant to being that charismatic star like someone who is not he's, he's cool as image conscious yeah right exactly yeah he's not as image conscious as i think ryan reynolds is and a few other movie stars are nowadays so he pulls off i think that trick really well And i think that's a big reason why i'm kind of won over by the film almost in spite of itself is that like he he kind of pulls off that tricky balancing act that i think a lot of movies like this don't really pull off where it's like the protagonist who doesn't want to be the protagonist can be a slippery slope for a main character but it works with brad pitt because like you say he's just so effortlessly cool and he's just like kind of pulling it off almost in spite of himself that it works in a weird way
0: the last cameo was sandra bullock and i I don't know if anybody would have like recognized well that's the thing is like you, you hear her voice throughout the movie as the handler. And I was like, hmm, I know that voice, but I don't I can't I can't place the actor. I I just can't that, do it. Uh, Maybe some people can. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a, there's a the a, another trailer that shows her in it. So it's out. Uh, is there? Yeah. Yeah. There's a well, trailer. Exa- I don't if know.
0: you're going to call Zazie Beetz a cameo and she's on the poster. I don't
1: I'm just saying, like, I didn't know Zazie Beetz was going to be in the film. I knew Sandra Bullock was going to be in the film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's kind of surprised. That's wild to me, actually. But okay. Um,
1: well, I mean, from but, what like, I heard, Bullock doesn't even beginning. show up until the last scene. But like, the, I don't know, I'm just telling you, there's a trailer out where you see the train crash, you like see the Brad Pitt like fly into the mascot, and then you see him talking to Sandra Bullock, and I was like, if I thought the Nope trailer gave away too much, like this gives away, yeah, that's way kinda, too much. that's
0: surprised. I guess they just really wanted to hype how many faces
1: are in this, huh? But I, I think she's okay. I really my thing is like Sandra Bullock because like she is a bankable movie star. <laughs>
0: She is, but I mean, that's the thing. It's like, how are you going to have Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum in the same movie after right after Lost City, and you're not going to play that up a little bit? I know they didn't Brad come out Pitt. that long ago, but,
1: but yeah, all three and Brad Pitt, them, all it's three a big of reunion. them. Yeah, bring
0: them together. Like, where where did Channing Tatum go in the movie? <laughs> I guess they imply that he got off the train at some point, but okay, that's fine. Um, oh, sorry, there is one more cameo. I forgot. Truck Coon, and uh, Will is looking at me confused. So the truck uh, killing Joey King truck. Coon is like a whole anime thing since you brought it up. So I'll, I'll let you Google search that later. Well, yeah, so, okay. The idea of like a truck killing somebody and isekai somebody is a whole manga, manga, anime trope, like so clearly, like that's kind of why it's hilarious. I, well, anyway, that is bullet train. Um, good movie. Good time. Do you think this is going to make uh do you think this is going to hit the top 10? Well, Last question before we
1: head out. Uh, Did you you mean for the summer? Yeah. Uh, Maybe. I mean, uh, I guess it just kind of depends on how well. uh, I I guess you said DC uh, Super Pets and Nope aren't doing too well right now, right?
0: Nope's doing okay. It's just not, you know, it's not soaring. It's not doing as well as the other ones. and. DC League of Super Pets, yeah, that, that one's kind of wimping out a bit.
1: Yeah, I heard it's going to open to like $30 million. I don't know what the budget is for this film. I mean,
0: I said that earlier in this episode.
1: Yeah, so budget is I, $90 million. I think it could etch its way into that 10 spot, especially because where the crawdads thing isn't doing that hot either right well i mean where the
0: crawdad's thing actually beat down navi recently uh, and it hit number 10 it's a it's at around like 55 million i think right now but to what you're saying i think bullet train is going to beat that and i don't think where the crawdad's Sing is going to make much more so that's the thing it's like i think bullet train will definitely hit at least number 10 but it kind of like what if it just totally face plants this weekend we don't know they're recording this in the past and like the listeners uh, will know they'll be a bit like huh how charming right. behind.
1: It really just depends on if the movie has legs, honestly. If it has legs and people respond to it and see it the yeah. second or third week when there's not a lot coming out, then it's very possible. But yeah, I just don't
0: know. I knew the studio was kind of like really pushing for people to kind of like uh put their takes out. Because I, I like, I was getting emails like, "Hey, hey, hey, please, please, what's your reaction on this movie?" Because I think they saw my tweet and were kind of like, "You're one of the ones who like this, like, please help." <laughs> because, like, it, like legit, this is one of those times where it's kind of make or break it for the movie. I think the opening weekend is going to be a big determination mm-hmm. of uh, the and- the word of mouth generation. Because if they just don't get a lot of people seeing it this weekend, not enough people are going to be there for the word of mouth. If they do like it, that's the reality. And
1: Sony's just a kind of desperate studio in general. <laughs> sure. So- I mean, any any win that they can take, they're going to take. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have much else to say about this film.
0: Me either. I guess that's a sign um, for us to get out of here. We got we had a train to catch metaphorically, at least. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. And we will be back for probably another one of these uh, ahead of time episodes. But until then, for the Internet, California, I'm John O'Groney.
1: And for Pennsylvania, I'm Washington.
0: See you next time.